Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. We are concluding today a series on mercy or misery, right? And as I look at this subject, should I be merciful? You know, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Why? Because they are going to receive mercy. So maybe uh, you're listening to me today, so man, I need some mercy in my life. Nobody seems to be cutting me a break, and I'm overwhelmed at work. I'm overwhelmed with my uh, relationships at home, and uh, even at church, I feel like nobody's cut me a break. Uh, nobody's cut me any slack. Well, maybe, just maybe, you should consider being merciful. You'll be blessed, and you will receive mercy. So today, I want to talk to you about why it is so important for us to be living a life of mercy. And maybe uh, you're looking at your life and say, well, I'm kind of an introvert and it's hard for me to connect with people. I'd like to be more merciful to people, but I have a hard time connecting. Can I give you a good suggestion? Get involved with your church. Your church has many ministry opportunities for you to be working with somebody else, exercising your gift of mercy. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, verses 30 and 31, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitudes. For he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. Now, if you're an introvert, I want you to know you're in good company. Uh, I don't really like to admit this, but um, I really am an introvert. Uh, By nature, I am not an outspoken person. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons I struggled in going into ministry is because I knew that if I was a pastor, that would involve speaking. And um, I didn't mind speaking in a small group, like two or three people, but I never really relished the idea of speaking before people. And I, and I, I went back and forth on this thing. As a matter of fact, uh, it was such a dilemma for me that in high school, uh, part of my English freshman year high school class, I, I had to do an oral presentation and I remember I was so petrified, it was, it was going to be a, a fourth of my grade. And my grade was so shaky that I, that I needed to really ace the oral presentation in order to pass freshman English. Well, I, I was so terrified to give that speech, I, I told my English teacher, I said, I'm not doing it. Uh, and she's, well, you know, if we factor in a zero for the oral presentation, uh, you're going to fail ninth grade English. And I said, well, so be it. I'm going to fail ninth grade English. So I had to take and my senior year, I had to take two Englishes in order to graduate from high school, because back in the day, uh, you had to have four uh, years of English in high school. And I failed my freshman year, all because I refused to take and do an oral presentation. And maybe that's how you feel today. Uh, I'm afraid to do something. I, I don't like to do things. And, and, and public speaking is a major concern for a lot of people. And in my situation, I always struggled to speak because... I I didn't uh, I had a hard time pronouncing a lot of words and and uh, growing up as a kid I I was plagued with ear problems and so if you can't hear well you have a hard time pronouncing words and so I had to go to a a special class pretty much all the way through elementary school and uh, I thought I was a special kid because they put me in a special trailer I, I found out that that was where they put the kids who were struggling and so uh, thankfully my neighbor uh, for several years. I uh, did speech therapy with me to try to compensate for the years that I lost because I couldn't hear. And so as a result of getting such a late start in communicating, uh, I really struggled in properly pronouncing words. Uh, so I want you to know that God has a sense of humor, and often he'll take your greatest weakness 
and it turn it into a strength. And so maybe you're feeling like, I'm an introvert. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they have these t-shirt slogans uh, that would probably make you nod uh, knowingly what these t-shirts mean, right? Uh, one t-shirt says, introverts unite separately in your own homes, right? <laughs> uh, that, that's how an introvert will feel. Uh, here's another one. Introverts unite. We're here, we're uncomfortable, and we want to go home. Uh, maybe that's how you felt. I remember the very first sermon uh, that I gave. The only thing I could get on my mind is I can't wait to get this thing over with so that I can go home. I dreaded it, right? And so when you read Psalm 109, I read part of it for you just a moment ago, and you can stop and it says, I will praise him in the midst of the throng and consider what it would be like to praise God with the eyes of a dozens or even hundreds of people on you. And you start to sweat, right? Well, according to one professor, there is a stigma that goes along with being an introvert. Many people wrongly assume that introverts don't like people. And introverts often give a first impression of being arrogant or being aloof, right? Well, the reality is that introverts and extroverts are equally warm and caring. They just interact with others differently, especially when it comes to groups. Signs that you may be an introvert include you enjoy having time with yourself and you think that's the best way to live your life. And uh, you rarely will voice your opinion unless somebody asks you, right? You're not one to offer up your opinion. The one who is an introvert is the one who receives more calls and texts and emails than they actually make. And you don't initiate small talk with others with whom you have casual content. Uh, so the introvert is one that doesn't use a lot of words, and they feel more comfortable by being quiet. So how does an introvert praise God in the midst of the throng? Well, one way is to get the throng to praise God with you. When everyone else is praising God, you feel less like a soloist and more like a member of the choir. Another is to get everyone else to focus on the object of your praise and not you. Praising God often involves telling a story about God. Consider the story that you will tell and how other people will be able to identify with you in that story. After all, God is working in their lives as well. I see introverts in the throng will thank you, and so will the extroverts. Let me read a, another passage here from Psalm 109 that I think will really encourage you. Let's look at verses 26 to 39. David the psalmist writes, Help me, O Lord, my God. O save me according to your mercy, that they may know that this is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you bless. When they arise, let them be ashamed. But let your servant rejoice. Let my accusers be clothed with shame, and let them cover themselves with their own disgrace as with a mantle. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude, for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. Now, the phrase I really love in this particular psalm is, O save me, O Lord, according to your mercy. 
It's by his mercies that we are renewed every day. Great is his faithfulness. I want you to think about somebody in your life that you can actually deliver salvation to by being merciful. After all, that's how we became saved, because of the mercy of God and the message of mercy that was delivered to us. You see, the Lord is strong, and He is our song. He is the one that has become our salvation. Do you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his only son. Now, this is the son that was promised to Abraham when Abraham was 75 years old, but he didn't arrive until Abraham was 100 years old. You see, Abraham was already an old man when he heard the news that he was going to have a son. Now at 100 years old, he is the ancient of days. Well, he had to obey. So this ancient man heads off to the mountains with Isaac and his two servants. When they reached the place for the sacrifice, Abraham and Isaac left their servant behind. Isaac carries the wood for the burnt offering. Abraham carries the fire and he carries the knife. And the boy responds, "Uh, Hey, Dad, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham responds to his son Isaac by saying, God will provide a lamb. You see, in his mind, Abraham asked God to do something that was very obvious, to provide a sacrifice. If Isaac were sacrificed, how would God keep his promise? How was God going to provide for Abraham to be father of many nations? As Abraham builds the altar and he lays the wood on it, he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar. Taking the knife, he raised it to kill Isaac. But just then, an angel stopped him. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram, his horns caught in a thicket. Instead of sacrificing his son, he sacrificed the ram. And he named the name of that place, the Lord will provide. You see, God kept his promise to Abraham, a promise that had been made nearly half a century earlier. Isaac would be Abraham's heir. Isaac's son, Jacob, whom God would rename Israel, would be the father of the nation of Israel. Because of Abraham's faithfulness, people from many nations would come and put their faith in God. They would receive salvation. You see, God spared Abraham's son that day because God's ultimate plan was to sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the penalty that no other sacrifice could cover. You see, God had been Abraham's strength and his song. On the mountains, God became his salvation, and he became ours as well. David the psalmist weighs in on this subject in Psalm 118, when he says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. He shall not die but live and declares the work of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. 
when Abraham took that wood for the burnt offering and he laid it on his son, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, the two of them walked on together. Isaac said, Father. And Abraham cried out, and Isaac responded, Here am I. You see, God gives us the same command today. Are we willing to follow him? You see, the area of our greatest sacrifice can be the area of our greatest redemption. The psalmist says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. What are you going through today? That you need God's mercy in the midst of going through a time of affliction. Normandale was a successful basketball coach until he struck a player. He got angry one day and hauled off and struck one of his players. And as a result, he received a lifetime coaching band in all of the college ranks. As the film Hoosiers opens up, Dale is hired as a teacher by his friend. He's a principal at Hickory High School in a rural southeast Indiana. His only hope for a successful season is to persuade a guy by the name of Jimmy Chitwood, the best player in the area and one of the best in the state, to play ball. But the teacher says, as he's looking over his record, says he won't be able to play. But without Chitwood, the team only has six players. He does the drills endlessly, and he knows the fundamentals, and he's got the discipline. And at the first game, when a player disobeys the coach, Dale benches him. With another player files out, Dale refuses to put that disobedient player back into the game, forcing the Huskers to finish the game with only four players on the floor. The basketball-crazed townspeople are infuriated. After the team loses several more games, the people begin to gather together and they call an emergency town meeting to vote Dale out. As the vote is being counted, Chitwood enters into the hall and he says that he will play, but only if Dale remains as coach. Dale stays. The team starts winning. And when the state playoffs begin, Hickory advances all the way to the state finals where one of the smallest schools in the state will meet a big school powerhouse, the defending state champions. Well, rather than giving an inspirational speech before the final game, Coach Dale sits with his players, and he tells them that he loves them. The college coach who once struck a player has become a high school coach with a greater appreciation for the game and a love for each of his players. His affection a lifetime banned from coaching in college, was good for him. You see, when you're afflicted, consider what God may be trying to teach you. He may be trying to teach you to not lose heart. He may be trying to teach you to to bloom where he has planted. Where he has planted you is where you can do the most good. In Psalm 119, David continues, and he says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, 
but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Maybe you're looking at affliction today in all the wrong ways. Instead of looking at affliction as a way of setting you back, maybe affliction is a way of God setting you up to use you in a more profound way. Oh, don't lose heart. Paul says that although the outer person may be decaying, maybe you're feeling worn down, beaten down, but yet he says God is doing a work not on the outer person, but on the inner person. That is being renewed day by day. Paul goes on to say these audacious words. He says, our light momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all, far beyond all comparison. As you look back and you see how things have turned out in your life, maybe you've had some setbacks, but I want you to know that God has used every single one of those afflictions to build within you the character of Christ. Maybe you've got to take just a moment as we begin another new year to look at God from the perspective He is working all things out for His good. Maybe the challenge for you this year is to get into God's Word. You know, at the beginning of this year, I made a challenge for myself, encouraged my church to read through God's Word, but I'm going to take the challenge to read through the Bible this year four times. And there is a 90-day Bible that you can get. You get the 90-day Bible and you read through the Bible in 360 days, assuming you don't miss any days. Now, in order for you to read through the Bible four times in a year, it's going to take just over an hour a day of reading. And I've discovered a good way to do this, especially when you're getting into those areas that you can easily get bogged down in, right? Going through the book of Leviticus and and all the ceremonial laws and and all the genealogies. And I know in the past when I've read through the Bible, uh, those were always areas that I really got discouraged with. So what I'm doing this year is I'm walking. And I'm taking my personal challenge to walk at least 10,000 steps a day. And in order to do that, that takes at least an hour. So as I'm walking, I'm using the wonderful Bible app. It's the version Bible app. And on there, they have the 90-day plan. And so I open up my phone, and I click on the 90-day plan, and it shows me what I have to read that day to stay on track. And so I will have it read it to me as I'm walking around my neighborhood. And so I get my 10,000 steps in, I get my Bible reading in, and I'm on track. Now, uh, we're very early into the year, and I'm already a couple days ahead because uh, I wanted to get ahead just in case something happens later on down the road where I fall a bit behind. And I said, I want to be a couple days ahead in case I miss a day or two. I'm not going to go through a bunch of guilt and beat myself up and say, oh my word, I've missed a day. And so if you do get a little bit behind, the good thing with this program is that you can pick it up and pick it up on the day that you should be at, and then you go back, and you can read what you missed. And that way you won't get discouraged, okay? Because once you get behind on this, it's very hard to get caught up. So maybe four times a year is too much for you to read through the Bible. Why not one time? If you read the Bible 15 minutes a day, they also have a one-year plan. You will be able to read the entire Bible in 2024. That'd be a great challenge, right? You see, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Trying to grow spiritually, it often will feel like hiking in an area that you're not familiar with. And maybe you feel like, I'm going into uncharted territory. Can I encourage you? Don't go it alone. This is why the church is so very important. On Wednesday night, we have 
two adult Bible studies that we do on Wednesday night. One is a Ray Vanderlaan study from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, and then we do another discipleship class on Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. And the cool thing is, uh, we have something for your children and your grandchildren at the same time on Wednesday evenings. They can go to the Iwana ministry, they can go to youth ministry, and then you can be in a Bible study. I highly recommend it. And we also have small groups in our church, which are also vital for the growth of our church. You know, I think about a small group as a care group. Right now, my family's going through a difficult time, and I've received meals and cards and phone calls and encouragement from people in my church, but specifically people from my small group. They've been such a blessing to me. And so that's a mutual thing, right? When they go through our time, we reach out to each other. So be with other believers. So when you are just trying to stay steady spiritually, uh, you're going to run into some, some setbacks, but don't let that get you discouraged. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his strength. Put on that whole armor of God, right? The reason that we often get defeated and discouraged is because we're not armored up. We may pick one or two pieces that we like to wear. I mean, I know a lot of Christians, and all they have is the helmet of salvation. I mean, they're walking around naked as a jaybird, but they got their helmet of salvation on, and they wonder why they're living a life of defeat. Well, as you look at Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. It doesn't say, pick the ones that you like and put those on. No, it says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, if you're not properly armored up, you will become victim, a victim of the schemes of the devil. And the travesty is this. You won't even know you're a victim. The enemy will take advantage of you and get you into places that you are not armored up. Because Paul tells us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, I wish I had dime for every time somebody says, well, I'm not going to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. You know what they're saying? I wrestle against flesh and blood. My enemy is people. My enemy is a Christian. My enemy is whoever, right? Maybe you think your enemy is your mother-in-law. That's not the case. Uh, But uh, if you're not getting along with her, your enemy could be your wife. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy wants us to think this is a flesh and blood battle, that you don't get along with those people, and uh, that's why you're having all these problems, because they're terrible people. Don't give the enemy more credit than he deserves. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces in heavenly places. So how do we defeat these spiritual forces in heavenly places? We got to be armored up. Now, the armor consists of a belt, a breastplate, shoes, a shield, and a helmet. Now, the only weapon that's an offensive weapon, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word, the Bible, pierces the darkness and gives us the ability to separate truth from error. Now, the more effective we are with this weapon in our hands, the more we're able to pierce the darkness, the darkness of uncertainty, the darkness of doubt, the darkness of affliction, and then We are able to have the light. The Word of God 
is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Well, it is Friday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me for another week of broadcast. Would you join me this Sunday for worship? Drive on out to Hickory Ridge Community Church and uh, worship with us at 9 o'clock or 1045 this Sunday. Now, one of our elders is also an Uber driver, and he tells me often uh, that he checks his maps and uh, where he picks up somebody because he loves to share the gospel. And he says, you know, in just about every place within the south side of Hamden Roads, you can get to Hickory Ridge Community Church within 40 to 45 minutes. Uh, Either you live in Portsmouth, or you live in Suffolk, or you live in Virginia Beach, uh, or you live in the western part of Chesapeake, you can get to Hickory Ridge Community Church within 40 to 45 minutes. Now, I've discovered something. I've discovered that people are generally willing to drive to church as far as they're willing to drive to work. Now, a lot of people drive 40, 45 minutes to go to uh, uh, to work every single day. Uh, some of you say, man, I wish I only had a 40, 45 minute commute. I know if you live in Moyoc, we are early risers because we got to leave early. You know, I live right off of Battlefield Boulevard. It's really busy right by South Battlefield Boulevard, 5.30 in the morning, right? So come on and join us at Hickory Ridge Community Church this Sunday at 9 or 1045. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.